There is such a thing called conscious consciousness. In terms of consciousness. In terms of consciousness. What consciousness is. The Mind Science Foundation podcast. There are days when you just feel good. When you get up and you get like five things done before it's even noon. No sweat. You meet up with a friend and surprise, she's brought another friend along. And it is not awkward at all. You got this. You take a different route home just because you can. And then there are other times, anxious times. Maybe you wake up hours before the alarm with the day's tasks running through your mind in a completely useless loop. Maybe at one point you stop and think, wow, other people can just go up and talk to people like it's no big deal. Why can't I do that? Maybe you felt so exhausted from the thoughts in your head, so overwhelmed, you almost passed out or did pass out. Most basically, anxiety is worry over some anticipated threat, something that's not actually immediate, that you won't get that report done in time, that you'll miss your plane, that you'll get sick, that they won't like you. And this anxiety can be debilitating. Anxiety is not a, a pleasant thing for most people. Joseph Ledoux is a professor of neuroscience at New York University. He's also author of a new book called Anxious. Yeah, there, there is a kind of normality of anxiety that, that is important. I mean, the reason anxiety exists is because it's useful to us. If you're not at all concerned with getting things done, you're not going to get things done. As the level of anxiety rises, your performance increases until it gets to a certain point, and then it decreases. You know, it's hard to kind of keep it right at the, the right point. And so everyone, at some point in their life, wishes they were a little, you know, they were able to control their anxiety a little better, not just be able to use it to do things, but then to turn off. Ledoux spent most of his career studying anxiety, and its more immediate cousin, fear. So what I would say is that threat is the core feature that joins fear and anxiety. In the case of uh, fear, the threat is immediate. In the case of anxiety, that threat can just be imagined. Not that that makes you any less worked up about it. So a person who's worried about alien abduction can be just as stressed out and, and terrified as a person worried about uh, a snake at their feet. Ledoux says people haven't always thought of anxiety as something in your mind. When the ancients used anxiety, they thought of it as a physiological upheaval of some kind. It was more about choking, it felt like a tenseness or tightness in the chest. It wasn't the feeling of being anxious. It was more the, the body sensation. These days, we see anxiety as something super personal. Anxiety is it's part of who we are. And, you know, if I, if I, I don't know who your friends are, but if I asked you to name one of your friends, you could tell me, oh, that's an anxious person or not anxious person. Is it possible to simplify what what goes on in the brain to develop the conscious feeling of anxiety, to kind of go through that step by step? Sure. He says, first, you need attention. Your prefrontal and parietal cortex spring into action, focus on something in particular. Our brains then integrate that awareness of something with memories about that thing. And if it's something emotional, other information from the brain comes in too. For example, the amygdala has detected a threat. Uh, it's sending signals to the cortex. The amygdala is also activating arousal systems in the brain. They're alerting the cortex at the same time. The amygdala is an area of the brain that helps trigger fear. The amygdala is also driving bodily responses and their hormones and so forth. And these are beginning to all feed back to the cortex. So there's three things going on here. The stimulus, memories about the stimulus, 
and the changes in the brain and body that um, are being driven by the detection of the threat by that other system. Those seem like such such unemotional things. It's hard to imagine how, how three unemotional things make something emotional. Well, it, what is an emotional feeling? It's something that's kind of charged, right? So you, the body systems that are involved in arousal are releasing their chemicals throughout the brain. And so rather than just an apple, it's now an apple that's shining brightly in your mind. And if that apple to the retrieval of memories has been associated with food poisoning in the past, it now you know, has a cognitive valence. And at the same time, you're getting this body feedback and all of these other signals that are adding that additional dimension that then begins to make the feeling. So the feeling of anxiety comes from noticing a thing mixed with memories about that thing and your brain's non-conscious reactions to that thing. And one of the key steps, though, is that in order for it to become an emotional experience, it has to be understood in terms of you. So that you have to be brought into it. It's not just a picture in the head that represents this stuff. It's you in relation to that picture. And since anxiety has so much to do with non-conscious aspects of your brain? You have to change it non-consciously. There's no way talking about it can make the change happen. You have to change the brain system that's controlling that behavior, not the thoughts about that behavior. It sounds easier said than done, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying I, uh, that this is practical, but uh, this is, I think, you know, if we're looking for reasons why therapy doesn't work as well as it does, uh, I think there are lots of uh, explanations for that. Ledoux says one of the problems with current anxiety treatments is that the way scientists usually try to study human anxiety is by studying fear in animals. If you develop a medication that makes animals less inhibited, seemingly more brave, it looks like their fear goes away. So voila, that same medication gets used as an anxiety treatment for humans. But using anti-inhibition medication on an anxious person, not always so great. So a person that takes an anti-anxiety pill is more capable of making themselves go to a stressful party, but they're still going to feel stressed and anxious when they get there. The drugs are doing exactly what they were designed to do in the animal studies, make the person less inhibited. We have this misconception about what we're studying when we study the brain and what systems we're studying in the brain. So if we're studying the systems in the brain that detect and respond to danger, those are not the systems that make us feel fearful and anxious. Systems that give rise to fear and anxiety are systems that allow us to cognitively represent all that stuff. Ledoux says that's really what's next in this line of research. Focus more on conscious experiences of anxiety in humans, instead of using animals in danger as a proxy. And in the meantime, while we're still figuring that out, Ledoux's sticking to one tried-and-true method for when he himself feels anxious. I think one thing that I find useful is uh, uh, deep breathing exercises you know, that are used in yoga and mindfulness training. The reason those work, it's not, you know, like Eastern mumbo-jumbo or hippie, uh, you know, BS or anything. It's just, it's real physiology. When you breathe in the proper way, what you're doing is shutting down your fight-or-flight kinds of responses. And allowing your brain to just sort of tone down a little bit. Ledoux also unwinds by playing music with his band, The Amygdaloids. There's a download code for their newest single, Anxious, in the preface of his new book. I'm my nails, grinding my 
For Explain the Brain, I'm Audrey Quinn. If you're new to this podcast, you can find the 10 episodes from our last season on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about the Mind Science Foundation at mindscience.org. This season will have new episodes on the fourth Thursday of every month. And if keeping track of that makes you anxious, you can just subscribe to the Explain the Brain podcast and we'll come at you automatically. Into the day I dash Will I mesh or be meshed?